0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We are only weeks into the latest peace plan for the Middle East. Driven by Donald Trump, it creates a pathway to peace between Israel and the Palestinians. And critics say it's very one-sided, favouring Israel. There is a push on for reciprocal negotiations after the plan was rejected by the Palestinians. So let's glean some more insights about the developments around the so-called Deal of the Century peace plan. Sandra Osterbaris is a Jewish lawyer who leads Heartland, the Christian Friends of Israeli Communities. Sandra, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be back. Uh, Sandra, just explain for us just a few moments here as we get a context for your comments. Uh, You're not Christian. You hold to your Jewish faith roots. And uh, the work that you do with your Christian Friends of Israeli Communities, give us a little explanation of the sort of work you do.
1: Okay, well, Christian Friends of Israeli Communities is an organization I founded based on a Christian idea Uh, to help Christians around the world get a better understanding for what is going on in Israel, specifically with regard to the settlement movement, the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, israel's biblical heartland so i reach out to christians uh, speaking educating writing and we also give christians the opportunity to support the people who are living in these communities financially by supporting various humanitarian projects in judea and samaria
0: Sandra, let's go to the big picture on the peace plan do israelis think that the peace plan is one-sided as i mentioned in the introduction
1: well i think israelis for the most part, are extremely excited about this peace plan, because for the first time, it's actually treating Israel fairly. Uh, We've gone through many different peace plans, proposals, etc., over the past few decades, and in every single one, Israel was expected to make concessions, real, on-the-ground concessions, in exchange for empty promises given by the Palestinians, which in every single case they breached. Uh, And nothing, no credit, no understanding was ever given to Israel's very real security needs that were being compromised by the various concessions we made. Uh, For the first time, this plan is saying, okay, Israel, you've already made many concessions. Uh, If we are going to go forward and give the Palestinians an opportunity to have a state of their own, they are going to have to prove that they are capable and willing to actually uh, have a state Uh, that conforms to international expectations of a state.
0: And that's where it gets complicated, especially for the Palestinians, because those conditions in the pathway to a proposed two-state solution are a cessation of hostilities from the Palestinians against Israel. And that's a difficult one, because I imagine that most people would say that's not likely to happen.
1: Well, you know what? I, for one, am a little tired of the Palestinians being treated with kid gloves as if they, it's almost like, what do you do with a two-year-old, okay? A two-year-old acts up, throws stones in the house, okay? So there are parents who will say, oh, he's only two, what do you expect? And if they continue doing that, they're going to create a monster. Then their parents will say, oh, no, we have to stop the child from throwing stones, because if we don't stop him from throwing stones, he will become a monster. What the international community has created with the Palestinians is a monster, because every single time they escalated terrorism. They started with throwing stones, then they went to Molotov cocktails, then they went to firearms and bombs, and now we have incendiary balloons being sent over from Gaza. Every time the international community says, oh, well, what can you expect, they have a such- so hard. For the first time now, in the Trump plan, the Palestinians are being forced to act like responsible adults. They are forced to say no. We are not not just end the violence, but to end the incitement for violence. Their textbooks, which today are filled with horrific anti-Semitism and encouragement of violence, the Palestinian Authority, which to this day, uh, paying very generous sums of money to terrorists and their families, uh, rewarding them for murdering innocent Israelis. What this plan is saying, Palestinians, if you want to be treated as members of the international community, you've got to stop that. Now, if they don't stop that, why should they have a state?
0: Some people will say it looks like some strong arm tactics from Donald Trump, but... Uh, Has he got the runs on the board? Is there credibility in the Trump administration here? Because they moved the US embassy to Jerusalem, they retreated from the Iran deal, stopped US payments to the Palestinian Authority, recognised Israel's sovereignty on the Golan Heights, and a lot of those things are going to cause everybody on the Palestinian side to be very distrustful of Donald Trump. But Is it the Palestinians who matter most, or is it the international community who can put pressure here?
1: Well, look, I'm an Israeli, so I have to tell you quite honestly that from my perspective, Israel matters most. Now, everybody thinks their own side matters most, okay? But I really and truly believe that the best solution in the Middle East for all peoples involved are for Israel to have total control of the area. And indeed, this is what the Trump plan puts forward, for the sake of the Palestinians, because security control will remain in the hands of Israel to prevent terrorists from gaining the upper hand and starting to kill people indiscriminately. But another very important part of this plan is that one of the criteria for a state, for a Palestinian state, is transparency is freedom of press, freedom of religion, um, all sorts of things that are basic for democracies, uh, cleaning up the corruption that is so rampant in the Palestinian Authority. So, frankly, I don't see Trump as trying to strong-arm anybody. I see him as correctly identifying what the Palestinians themselves need. I've had conversations with many Palestinians, both ordinary people and people of quite influence and, and wealth, in within the Palestinian areas, and one after the other, they all say the same thing. The corruption in the Palestinian Authority is so rampant that they have no trust in their own leadership and prefer to be under Israel because they know under Israel they will have a higher standard of living and they will have a much fairer um, existence with with justice and it, it's and freedoms etc. So this is a reality that we all have to take into um, account. And I think, thank God, that Trump finally is an international leader who is taking that into account.
0: Sandra, the idea of Israel annexing those communities in the West Bank, or Judea and Samaria, as we know them from the biblical names, does that create issues with neighbours across the border to Jordan? Is that another dimension that's in the mix when it comes to the peace plan?
1: I tell you quite frankly, and I look at Jordan and her interests and the way Jordan has behaved with Israel all along, I think Jordan is thrilled with the idea that Israel will annex the Jordan Valley, which is the area that is adjacent to Jordan. Jordan has long been terrified at the idea of a Palestinian state on its border. And in fact, in the peace treaty that was signed back in 1994 between Israel and Jordan, it was recognized that the Jordan River would be the border. Now, if Jordan at that point had been so eager for a Palestinian state, it would not have signed a peace treaty on the basis of that international line. Um, Jordan has long enjoyed a quasi-Israeli protection um, against radical elements within Palestinian society. The threat in Jordan, uh, Jordan deals with this in its own domestic situation, and the last thing it wants is an um, an armed uh, Palestinian entity on its border. So while Jordan will be making certain you know, comments now uh, expressing concern, etc., that is uh, to pay lip service to its very large Palestinian population at home. But in fact, I believe, and um, I would say the entire Israeli uh, political and military establishment believes that Jordan is actually uh, on board with this plan.
0: Okay, let's get a little context here, because there's been a dramatic change from the former president, Barack Obama, who made it quite illegal for Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria to settle. That's been turned on its head, hasn't it? With a recognition that Israeli communities can settle in those regions. What are your thoughts about the major change that's happened under Donald Trump?
1: Okay, well, first of all, I I would like to clarify. It is actually Barack Obama who made the change. While the United States never liked The settlement movement never thought it was a wise policy to have Jews settle in Judea and Samaria. They never, ever considered it illegal. And Obama was the first and only American leader to actually consider it illegal. And indeed, the resolution that was put forth in the United Nations to declare the settlements illegal, um, this was a resolution that the United States failed to veto. Uh, and this was Obama's parting gesture a few days before he uh, left office. Uh, behind the scenes, Obama was actually the one who was engineering that resolution to begin with. But he couldn't be seen as putting it forward because then would run counter to the longstanding American policy uh, of the State Department that indeed there was nothing illegal about these communities. So what Trump actually did was just state what had been policy all along but state it and stick to it. So basically, Trump is not only stating that it's not illegal, but is willing to recognize Israeli annexation of these communities, and that indeed is the major change.
0: Your organization, Sandra, it's a resource point connecting Christians to people of biblical Israel. What's your message to listeners today about how Israelis respond to the sort of friendship that can come from Christians?
1: Well, it's a new day. You know, I, I, I've been in this work now for more than 20 years, and when I first started, I myself didn't know anything about Christians who supported Israel. I'd never heard the term Christian Zionists, and I actually really had only met one or two Christians in my life who even thought about Israel, let alone supported Israel. So what I have learned and what I've seen and the developments that we are all witnessing in these past a few years has just been nothing short of amazing. I I think it's miraculous, and I think every Christian who's listening to this program today needs to ask himself, what does God want me to be doing? And I think any Christian who reads this Bible honestly will recognize that what's happening in Israel today is a fulfillment of God's promises from thousands of years ago. And anyone, you, any Christian out there, you want to be part of what God is doing in the land of Israel today, join us and stand with us because together we are able to move something forward that is truly monumental it is the fulfillment of prophecy
0: well there may be listeners who want to connect let me give a website for the christian friends of israeli communities it's cfoic.com so Think of the initials of Christian Friends of Israeli Communities, cfoic.com. Sondra Oster-Barris leads Heartland, the Christian Friends of Israeli Communities. Uh, Sondra, thanks so much for updating us today on 2020.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.